friends, and welcome to the CU Insight Network. My name is Randy Smith. I'm one of the co-founders of CUinsight.com and also the host of the CU Insight Experience podcast. And it is my job on this show to have conversations with the people that support the credit union movement, to pick their brains and see if we can't find some solutions to those issues that are affecting all credit unions, hopefully gain a few nuggets that we can learn from and improve our credit unions. I'm really excited today. My guest on the show is Sean Flynn. Sean is the Senior Director of Credit Unions at TransUnion. And I just want to jump right into the conversation because, like I said, I've been excited about this. Sean, welcome to the show. Thanks, Randy. Happy to be here. Ah, this is going to be fun. I'd like to, I love starting this with just a little bit of background. It was something that I realized over the first few years of the CU Insight Experience podcast. None of us started out going, when I grow up, I want to be in credit unions. I wanted to play for the Detroit <laughs> Red Wings, right? Like, so it didn't happen. But once we get in here, it, it sucks us in, right? Like, and there's no place we'd rather be. I know you had credit union experience. This is what, how, where you made your career even before you were at TransUnion. But what, what did Sean want to be growing up? And what inspired you to take the gig as the senior director of credit unions at TransUnion? Yeah. So actually, uh, Randy, I wanted to, believe it or not, I wanted to fly planes for the Navy growing up until my sophomore year of high school when a recruiter told me you're too big and you're too blind. I, I was uh, just going to say, you got the glasses. So, so it's, uh, yeah, yeah. You on that, right? <laughs> yeah. And so shortly after that, I started this program called the Academy of Finance, where I learned about lending and credit and various other elements of the, the financial system. And at that point I said, well, I'm going to choose finance as my, as my route. Cause I was pretty well hooked. And, you know, in terms of how I got to TU, my junior year of college, actually, I took a job. I found a job working part-time. I went to college in New Hampshire, and I found a job working part-time at a military credit union up there, service credit union, big shop, and fell in love with the industry. I really haven't looked, looked back since and been on the vendor side for about six years now, which is a little bit different than working in natural person credit unions. Um, but we're, we're doing great things here for credit unions at TU. And to some degree, I think it's, you know, a calling for me really to, to help credit unions. And I'm in a position where I can do that really well here. That, that's pretty cool. I'd like to take a step back there. The program you talked about, was that like in high school where there was uh, like the finance type program? Because you know we talk about a lot in credit unions, like that financial education. So often we get all the way through high school, college, we get to come out of college with a bunch of debt from credit cards because we got a free sweatshirt or something. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's pretty, so that's, that was in your high school? Yeah, so it's actually we were the the first class to go through it. They started this thing with the they call it the National Academy Foundations on New York City, and they started teaching high school kids about finance and careers in finance. It was a two year program, junior and senior year. And when I graduated from high school, I also received a diploma in financial studies from this National Academy. So junior and senior year, I had one or two classes in my regular schedule that were finance related, and I had to wear a suit to school one day a week. Um, it was kind of it was, it was fun. It was a great, and actually, you had to intern in between junior and senior year. And one of the the two of the big intern hosts were credit unions in New Hampshire. Oh, no kidding! Well, that's that's fantastic. Yep. What what a cool program! I did not heard of that before, so that's pretty awesome. I'm glad we got to give them a shout out. So let's take a step back. Different time, different place. We actually meet in person at a conference. Crazy thing. <laughs> I know we're both ready for these again. But you know, for people out there who want to know more, give us the elevator pitch. What is TransUnion and where do you add the value to credit unions? 
Yeah, so I think a lot of people think of TransUnion as just like another credit reporting company, right? Credit Bureau. Mm-hmm. Uh, they see us on Credit Karma or their, their apps where they check their credit score. And they think we're just, you know, another provider of credit reports and credit scores. And, and we're definitely not that anymore. We actually feel we do a very good job of arming credit unions with the right tools uh, and more importantly, the right strategies to create economic opportunity for the communities they serve which I think protects the legacy they've built, credit unions have built here in the U.S. for over a century now. And, you know, we've been at the the forefront of financial innovation. So we've been in those whiteboard sessions with fintechs and some of these big financial pioneers. And we want to help credit unions do the same. For myself and, and others here at TU and the team that I'm on, the mission is really a personal one because we care deeply about this industry and we want it to be around for a long, long time. So that's what we're here to do is provide data and strategies to help credit unions stay around and protect their legacy. Okay. So that's exactly, you know, as we were preparing for the show, we talked about a few different situations that are really important to credit unions right now. So I'd like to start with what it looks like, you know, to kind of transform that credit union business model through, and you just mentioned the word data, you know, strategy, information, like those are all huge topics today. Yeah, so I, I think the business model, like in terms of uh, financial products, I don't think the business model changes much with credit unions over time, and it, and it really won't. I think financial products and services are the core offering. I think it's the delivery of those products that has to change, and, and it has to change quickly. I mean, it's been changing, but it has to change faster. And I say this, like, think about it this way, Randy, you know, growing up in this industry as a lender... I was always trained to look at a credit report and then also capture the full story of the member, whether that's through a conversation, interviews, whatever. But even during loan officer training, we had to document everything that went through our heads in the loan notes and how we rendered the decision, how we arrived at the decision. I got very good at crafting the narrative and defending those loan decisions, but that's a long process. right? It takes a lot of time and in a way it's flawed because... I can tell you as much as I love my credit union members and did for, for many years, I've been burned by my fair share of them who weren't always the most forthcoming when it comes to, you know, I've got to tell a story now to go get a loan. Sometimes that story is not always the most accurate one. So, you know, fast forward to today, 2021, you know, some of those lenders out there in the digital space have perfected their application process. And they're doing that by getting exponentially more data, Randy, and they're getting more insights on the consumer. Uh, in fractions of a second. So that long drawn out process of the interview and the talking to the member and getting the story and documenting that great way to engage the consumer several years ago, right? right? But today, some of those lenders online are doing that. They're getting that story and it's an empirically driven story because it's it's data that's being very carefully orchestrated in a way that helps tell that story. So I think the secret to a digital experience really is not necessarily flashy web screens or some bolt-on product to a a credit union platform, but it's designing and deploying those carefully orchestrated data strategies to reduce friction and the experience make it easier for a consumer or credit union member to engage with the institution. So we always say here at TransUnion that credit unions don't need to win on technology alone. Technology is very important because without it, you can't do certain things. But if they can employ the right type of data at the right time, they can accelerate that digital experience a lot quicker. 
what you were saying reminded me of something I was just reading in the past month, but it was talking about when PayPal started moving into that kind of small dollar loans at first and things of that nature. Yep. And like they weren't pulling credit scores. It was mm-hmm. just because they had so much data on how people spent already through PayPal that they were like, you know what? We know what they're good for X. And you know, it was an instant approval could be in your PayPal account in no time, right? So yep. it is interesting to me to think about how we can use that. And then also the how much better it can improve the experience. None of us want to wait very long for anything anymore, right? So it's, right. Uh, you know, we want that decision. And that on question that I had written down was, you know, how does a solid digital strategy relate to the evolution of credit unions as we move, like you said, not the flashy web page, but it's the, you know, the data behind it and what we do with it, I guess is probably. Right. You know. Yeah. You know, so I think the digital strategy means different things to different people, but I think it has to, for credit unions, it has to mean more than just an off the shelf app, right. Or an enhancement to a workflow. Uh, or it has to be better than being more fintech-like. You know, the fintechs are doing great things out there, but their mission is different in some cases than that of the credit union mission. And so I think what credit unions do really well is they find ways to help people in the community. And I think that credit unions need to be able to do that and engage with those consumers in the way they want to be engaged with. And I can tell you a 37-field loan application with a 24-hour turn time just just isn't it, right? Uh, and the same yeah. goes for deposits as well and any other products and services. It's just got to be easier to do business with somebody. And sometimes it's, again, it's not just an app. It's more of where do I see and feel my credit union while I'm on my device or on my computer or whatever. And it's been interesting over the, you know, during 2020, the first, let's just even say month to six weeks of the, you know, pandemic credit unions saw the digital adoption from members skyrocket to what they'd been trying to get members to kind of move over to for a decade, right? Like they just overnight instantly, everybody's like, where's the app? Where's the remote deposit capture? What's the, you know, that they weren't using. Um, So yeah, I mean, but now as people get used to it, we're going to want the same experience we get when we go to Amazon or something, right? So uh, just quick, easy, seamless. You know, I was interested to ask you this question too, and you'd brought up your, your history, which I didn't know, which, you know, kind of having that coming up through the lending area of credit unions. So another key way that credit unions support their members is through the accessible and affordable lending products. So can you talk about what that looks like today? You mentioned that like we need quicker turnaround times and things like that. And second, like what trends are you seeing in the the credit union industry related to lending? Sure. Yeah. I think in terms of what it looks like today, I think that the Credit unions are still doing what they've always done really well, which is get people into more affordable products and open doors to new opportunities. That that hasn't changed. Um, you know, credit unions across the country still have some of the best rates in town. They they listen to the member, as I talked about earlier. They still have that relationship with those folks in the community, and they're finding more ways to say yes than most. I mean, we we tend to see that happen pretty frequently. I think that's a key piece of the value proposition and will continue to be. But in terms of of the trends, I mean, things are changing outside the world or in the world around credit unions today. You know, many parts of the country, credit unions are losing market share. I mean, they still do really well with auto lending and auto refi in particular, uh, to the tune of almost 70% of auto refinances are done by credit unions. So 
you know, clearly credit unions are out there finding ways to save people money and, and auto refinance and, and mortgage refinance. Those are things that uh, tend to lead the way. Uh, but in terms of other consumer loan products, I think it's hard for credit union credit cards and personal loan products to compete at, at the national level, especially, I mean, despite having better terms and, and better rates, it's harder to compete with the digital experience of some of the bigger card issuers and fintechs and what they're offering. So while the product may be better intrinsically, there's just accessibility continues to be the thing and relevance of the offer too, right? I mean, if somebody wants to finance their credit cards and they have $20,000 in credit card debt and the credit union offers them a $10,000 personal loan, it's not really going to do much on the refinance and they can go to a fintech and get that $20,000 in about, you know, 15 minutes. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, it was interesting. Uh, recently on our Minicon series, uh, George Hoffheimer was on a panel and he mentioned an article that he read. And it was interesting at the way he came to it, but it was talking about how commercial real estate is shrinking and it's going to probably mm-hmm. continue to. But there could be a boom in, and this could be great for credit unions from a lending side on refinancing homes or, you know, home equity lines of credit where people that are moving from their office to now having a home office or like, I need to build space or I need to build, you know, mm-hmm. I, I need that office space in there. And his point was, what do credit unions do well? We're not financing buildings. We can sure help somebody build that home office, right? And I, I thought that's it. So it's interesting what you're saying about like sticking to, maybe we're not going to compete in some areas, but we sure can in others, right? So absolutely. You know, before we move through this part of the show, I, I like to, really, you know, ask a couple more forward thinking questions and kind of that industry wide, which I was excited to to talk to you about for a couple different reasons. Number one, I know how much you love credit unions and looking at the industry as a whole. And then number two, because TransUnion is an innovative company. So you, you, you guys work in a lot of different industries. So my, my guess is you're going to have some great insight for me here. But if you're to break out the crystal ball, You've talked about fintech. We've seen a ton of disruption in financial services across the board over the last few years. None of us think that's going to stop. Yeah. What trends are you seeing in financial services overall that, that credit unions need to be aware of? And where is TransUnion focusing their energy when it comes to innovating to, to meet all these challenges that are out there? Yeah, I, I think the one thing, Randy, that is most interesting at the moment is this point of sale financing. You know, you can finance almost anything on installment loans now. And, and it, even if it's not a, you know, a traditional 12 month or, or 24 month term loan, you know, sometimes it's these, these buy now, pay later type financing uh, solutions right from your phone. I mean, I bought a new pair of skis a couple weeks ago. And skiing in Connecticut, by the way, is nowhere near what it was growing up in New Hampshire, but we'll leave that for another conversation. <laughs> a little uh, icy. Uh. <laughs> yeah, but I bought, I bought a couple, of, I got a pair of skis a, a couple of weeks ago and, you know, I could finance them right on my phone in installments. I didn't, I didn't choose to do that, you know, but as I'm checking out, they offer me 0%. And so the skis were at my house in 24 hours, which I thought was really amazing too. So I think we're getting closer to this convergence of buying and financing that used to always be two kind of tri- two, two separate activities. Uh, those two worlds are colliding. They really already have, especially like in the auto world, like that, that, you know, buying and financing is all sort of part of that same process. So 
How that continues on in the retail front, I think, will be really interesting in financial services and how credit unions respond to it and what they choose to do, you know, yet to be seen. And we're kind of working on how that how that's going to shake out. But for TU, for us, you know, we're really focused primarily on helping lenders like credit unions just get a, a more holistic picture of the consumer, whether that's credit data identity data, like knowing who you're doing business with on the other side of the phone is really important or the other side of the device that's like table stakes today. So we're, we're, we're doing so because we, we think that, you know, for us, opening more doors for more consumers to greater opportunities, you know, whether it's putting more people in homes, getting people in cars so they can get to work once, once people start going back to work, right? Or staying more educated about their finances and knowing how credit works and, you know, how to continue to, to manage those things. That's what's most important to us is creating those opportunities. And we, we call that philosophy actually here information for good. And that drives everything we do. And that's a pretty broad answer to your question. I'm not telling oh. you exactly what we're invested in our time, but that's really what we need to be considering is how do we help people like credit unions and other lenders do more for the consumer and find more ways to to open up new doors to, to new opportunities. I like that. Information for and, good. That's good stuff. <laughs> yeah. And Randy, personally, one thing I just want to add, I heard a, a podcast recently that you had uh, with somebody from a credit union that mentioned this. And, you know, personally, in terms of the future, one of the things I'm personally really interested in, and I, I figured I'd throw this out there is I'm closely following the trends in digital currencies. So I think we're up for some big changes when it comes to the future of, of money and how you know people exchange currency for goods and services. So not necessarily a transunion <laughs> initiative at the moment, but I think see that that's going to change this market. And so how that will impact credit unions will be really interesting. It's interesting you say that because just in the past couple months, the amount of big players that are getting more involved and putting significant amounts of money into that space, oh, yeah. whether it's... Tesla or JP Morgan or whoever happens to be, right? Like, I mean, Visa. So, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's unbelievable. It will be interesting to watch there too. A question that I brought from the, the CU Insight Experience podcast, but it's one that I just love to ask is, you know, when you think about credit unions, is there something that you think we need to do better to stay relevant, you know, in a fast changing market like this? And I know you've touched around that quite a bit already. You've had some great nuggets for us so far but is there one specific thing that you're like we gotta wake up this is what credit unions need to do better in your mind so i think in our experience you know compared to some of our uh, other lenders that we work with i think credit unions tend to be open to new ideas uh more often but time and time again i i hear our credit unions saying you know well it's you know capacity or you know we don't have the time to do that this year or next year I, if I were back at a credit union today, you know, say I was leading a credit union, leading a team, you know, one of the things I'd really try to do is make time for, for that uh, creative thinking yeah. and make time for strategy, right? And figure out what, what are we going to be doing this time next year or the year after? And I think credit unions tend to, like many of us, get caught up in the whirlwind of the day-to-day because they're so committed to serving their members. But You've got to be able to serve your members in the future too. And I think that just takes some some time to sit down and think about and map out and work with your partners, whether it's us or someone else, yeah. um, to give our perspectives or the vendor perspective too and and build something great together. I think that's what our credit unions need to, to get more comfortable doing. 
I am with you on that. It's a question that I added this year to the CEOs from credit unions on the other podcast was, you know, for let's call it 2020, we were often all just putting out fires, right? Or it felt like it, like we just didn't. So like now that we start looking forward into 2021 and beyond, like how do you create that? If you're running at full capacity, how do you create that space to strategically think, like you said? And it, it's, I'll be honest, it's kind of one of those ones that's kind of stumping people right now. You know, I mean, so I think what you're yeah. saying is, uh, is fantastic. I'd like to wrap up the show and have a little bit of fun, some rapid fire questions like we do on the other show. Get to know you a little bit better. Let people know, Sean. So uh, was there a recent purchase? You mentioned the skis, but was there a recent purchase that you didn't know you needed, but now you're like, I don't know how I lived without that. Yeah, when I think about that question, it's that are currently on my feet, my L.L. Bean uh, moccasins. <laughs> I bought them in November because my old house slippers or whatever were getting kind of worn down. And they were probably a little more expensive than I wanted to, to pay for them. But man, oh, man, I worn them every day since all day and well worth the money. So, yeah. LL Bean slippers. They, they've become your new work shoes. I, I mean, it's just yeah. it's a, your Zoom shoes. Uh, yep, when exactly. you hear the word success, who is the first person that comes to mind and why? So I'm going to pivot here. I think two people come to mind. One is sort of, I'm sure I'll catch flack for this, but Tom Brady. I'm a New England guy <laughs> through and through, and um, he is a uh, champion like no one's ever seen. Yeah. yeah. But more realistically, when I think of success, uh, the, the first guy that hired me in credit unions was a guy by the name of Larry Stuker. Wasn't a credit union guy, wasn't a lender, wasn't even a finance guy. But man, did he know how to build a team and build a culture. And we had so much fun on that team and, and learned. I learned so much as a young guy coming up in this space. So, you know, I think he, you know, he's retired now and, and certainly lived a successful career and, and had a great great time with our credit union but he's a guy that i adore and and credit really my my commitment to this industry to him that's pretty cool i love that answer the the random question what's the greatest album of all time yellow brick road elton john you know through both shows elton john's never been mentioned and as you said that i'm like that's shocking to me right like so uh, any books that you're uh, either currently reading or like that put it this way that you've either gifted others or you just think everyone should read the book so yeah i mean i have a tendency to read a lot of uh sort of non-fiction business books which i probably need to stop doing and start getting into like the the stuff that's gonna work the other side of my brain but one in particular that has served me well in my life as well as my career is a book called Leading Change by a guy named John Cotter. We read it through my my grad school program that I was in and uh, so many life lessons in that too, just about you know how do you help people through tough times and how do you lead through um, uncertainty. And it, it certainly has paid dividends for me in the last year. No, I can imagine. It sounds like it wouldn't for everything we've all that change we've had to uh, all go through the past year. The calendar's empty. What does Sean do to you know unwind outside of work? What does that work-life integration look like to you? Well, clearly, as you know, in the winter months, I like to ski. Uh, <laughs> so that's that's happened. We teach we taught the kids how to ski this year. My son and my daughter both have picked it up very quickly, which is a, a pleasure for my wife and I, who have been lifelong skiers. But when there's not snow on the ground, I tend to, I like, I really enjoy cycling. I know it may not look like it because I have my, my winter body, 
But, uh, <laughs> you know, when I get out, there's nothing better than in May and in June and getting out on a 40, 50 mile bike ride on the shoreline. So that's where I really clear my head. That's awesome. That's fantastic. You know, we'll link to everything we talked about today in the show notes. The, the last question I have for you is, do you have any final thoughts for you know, our, our listeners today or an ask that you'd like of, of everybody out there? Yeah, you know, no real ask. But the one thing that I think I try to close up every workday with and, and my week with is, you know, did, did we do something important today? Did we do something that's going to help change things for the for the good and for the better? And I really like the, you know, that Ellen DeGeneres says, uh, be kind to one another. And I think that's one thing that we we tend to forget about sometimes, especially in a world where there's a lot of, you know, very polarized situations going on, but be good to one another, right? Be kind, be nice and enjoy the people in your life because that's what's important. Absolutely. Thank you, my friend. Uh, Sean, I appreciate you so much for taking time out of your schedule today to be on the show. I can't wait till our paths can cross again soon. We're, we're, we're not that far away from each other. So it's, uh, you know, <laughs> as soon as we get through this thing, it, we will be seeing each other at conferences and, and around, I'm sure. So, so stay well. I look forward to it. Thank you. You do the same, Randy. Take care. 